Joey, thank you, my good friend, and thank all of you for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. Before you do anything else, real quick, if you can, wherever you clicked and you're listening, head on over and just subscribe if you can. Uh, We're on iTunes, Apple, we're on YouTube, we are on Spreaker, we are on SoundCloud, we are on TuneIn, we are on Google Podcasts. So all over the place, if you can, go and subscribe. Anytime you just click subscribe, that helps me out a bunch, puts a few extra bucks right back in my pocket, and it just takes you a second. So really appreciate that. Wow, I'm pretty pumped for this episode. We have a lot happening. It is kickoff week, one of NFL. We're going to be talking NFL over-unders for the NFC. Remember, last week we tackled all the AFC over-unders. We're going to do the divisional odds and who we like making the playoffs. We're going to talk the Packers-Bears preview. That game is on Thursday night, first game of the season. Raiders Hard Knocks recap. College football week one recap. We're going to do Kentucky Downs racing for Thursday. I like five races throughout the day where we have some plays. Ballers episode two recap. All Elite Wrestling All Out recap. Woo! Going to be a long and packed show, so let's get right to it. Big thank you to everyone over the weekend. I was part of the TVG alumni show, the 20-year TVG 20 show. It was a lot of fun. A lot of the former TVG crew that was back to work shifts throughout Sunday down at Del Mar. The shift I worked was with Mr. B, Bob Baedeker. We worked for a couple hours and I got a lot of nice comments and a lot of nice uh, posts from a lot, of hope, a lot of you out there. So hopefully if you saw and you haven't seen me around for a while on TVG, maybe you'll come in and uh, listen for a while over here on That's What G Said because we're going to always talk. Every episode, there will be some horse racing. There's always going to be at least a couple plays, a, a best bet or two, and many times we're going to go through the entire sequence unlike any other shows or any other analysis really. A lot of, when people give their analysis, and a lot of times you'll get a horse or two. Um, a lot of times we'll try to do the deep dives for you. Today it'll be more of uh, horses that we like at Kentucky because I... We went to a deep dive analysis today. This might be a, a four-hour podcast. So, um, uh, nonetheless, a lot of fun down at TVG uh, at Del Mar. I got to see a lot of the people that I haven't seen in a while. A lot of good friends. So, in the morning shift, it was Ken Rudolph and Frank Lyons. We had uh, Jeff Lifson doing the reporting. We saw with Mr. B and with me, and then it was Jill Byrne. And it was Gary Mandela, and it was Chris Katulak, and it was Julie Crone. So a lot of the old TVG crew, not old, we're not all old, but the once <laughs> on-air TVG crew. Uh, great to see everyone back. It's been four years, over four years since uh, I left TVG. So it doesn't feel like it's been that long, but yeah, it's already been quite a while. Ran into Todd Shrupp. Good buddy, got to see Joaquin for a second Talk, Caught up with Matt Carruthers Which was a lot of fun uh, Said hello to Scott Hazelton And Ron Ellis And Christina I think uh, Got to see a couple of the other uh, Producers and directors that I've known For a while, just a good time It's always nice to have a little reunion When you go back and see folks who were a big part of your life For a while So a big shout out everyone who said hello and a, a thank you We were able to pick a winner too We got Perfect Alibi home 
right off the bat. So anytime you sit down on a shift, you want to get some winners out there. Once you're able to get a, a, a nice price horse or two home, then uh, you feel a lot better about the work that you put forth. History time. On this day, the last Western Roman emperor, Romulus Augustus, abdicated the crown in favor of the barbarian king Odoacer. The last Western Roman emperor. 1682, English astronomer Edmund Halley observed the comet named after him. Very famous comet that we all know. 1882, the first large-scale test of Thomas Edison's light bulb was used to light New York's Pearl Pearl Street Station. 1886, Apache Chief Geronimo surrenders. It ends the last major U.S. Indian War. 1888, George Eastman patents the first roll film camera and registers the name Kodak. In 1893, English author Beatrix Potter writes the story of Peter Rabbit. 1899, there's an 8.3 earthquake in Alaska. 1916, Christy Matheson and Mordecai Brown, they faced each other for the final time. They faced each other 25 times, these pitchers, throughout their career in baseball. Matheson was a better 13-12 career record over Mordecai Brown after 28 meetings. The Reds won that game. 10-8, couple of Hall of Famers there. In 1920, for you horse racing fans, Man of War won the Lawrence Realization Stakes at Belmont Park by a hundred lengths. He set a world record that day for a mile and five eighths. He only had one rival, Hoodwink, who was well defeated. 1940, CBS begins broadcasting TV. As station W2XAB 1950 Beetle Bailey comic strip Debuts in 12 newspapers 1951 The first transcontinental TV broadcast By US President Truman Also in 51 NBC became A coast to coast network With 61 stations 1972 The Price is Right debuts on CBS US's longest running game show 1993, Penn State moved to the Big Ten Conference for the first time. They played their first game in the Big Ten. 94, Dan Marino returning from injury threw for five touchdowns. It was his 18th game with four touchdowns or more. 1995, Xena Warrior Princess debuts on TV. 1998, the first ever Who Wants to Be a Millionaire in Britain on ITV. That was a phenomenon for a while. 2002, Argentina beats the U.S. in the World Championships. It was the first U.S. loss in 59 games bringing NBA players since they started with the Dream Team. 2002, a little money ball. After blowing an 11-run lead, the A's hit a walk-off home run to win 12-11 and win their 20th game in a row, setting an American League record. 2016, Mother Teresa was canonized by Pope Francis in a ceremony at the Vatican. In 2018, Amazon became a trillion dollar company on this day now let's get to a lot of football talk we're going to start with the nfl over unders we're going to talk nfc so we're going to go alphabetical order through the nfc teams starting with the cardinals who i think are going to be one of the worst teams in football i just have no idea what to expect from kingsbury 
people are, are thinking their offense is going to be great, and I don't know about that. I, I don't. I've not really been a Kyler Murray fan. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a hard knocks. Didn't really like what I saw from him on hard knocks either. I've never liked the way he's interviewed. He doesn't. I know you don't have to be personable to be a good football player. Two different skill sets, right? He just doesn't come off as someone who's very. I don't even want to say tough because we haven't seen him yet. I'm just, for me, I'm I'm cold on on him, especially this rookie season. I think they're going to be in a lot of trouble this year. So I think the over under for the Cardinals, I'm going under the five. And I'm looking at their schedule. They could win Week One against Detroit. If they don't, then they're in some trouble because they go they go at Baltimore, Carolina, and Seattle come to play them. At Cincinnati, who's not very good So maybe they could squeak out a win there But they're going on the road there See, that's that's one of the problems With what Arizona's schedule is this year They have Detroit at home Then after that, the teams that might have been easy games Where they could get a win at home Cincinnati, the Giants, Tampa They play them on the road Are they going to go beat Cincinnati, the Giants, or Tampa on the road? I don't know I don't think so I'm going under the 5 for the Arizona Cardinals Atlanta Falcons over under eight and a half. The over you have to lay one forty five minus one forty five. Try to find a nine somewhere if you can. If it's just even, because I like the I like the Falcons over, uh, and I think they have a shot to win their division this year. New OC Dirk Cutter with Atlanta before he had a good year and then a couple bad years. Look at their schedule. They open up at Minnesota. That's such a huge game. If somehow they could squeak a win out there, then things. Really improve as far as their over-under for the season Philly at home The Rams at home Seattle at home Tough games, but winnable games They have to play at Minnesota, at Houston The Jacksonville game at home could go either way I like the Jags a little bit throughout the year Over-under 8.5 I think they could beat Philly at home Beat Indy Beat Tennessee they lose at Houston, they beat Arizona Let's say they, they lose against the Rams And beat Seattle And then let's split. Let's say they split with New Orleans They split with Carolina They beat Tampa twice They beat Frisco That puts them 10-11 wins Atlanta Falcons over And I'm, I'm going to have them as a playoff team this year Carolina Panthers over under 8 I'm going under The Cam Newton Injury issues have worried me Uh, The shoulder Surgery Now The way he's going to be handled Throughout the season I'm a little concerned I like McCaffrey Going to be a workhorse But let's look at their schedule They open up with the Rams I'm going to count that as a a loss They Play Tampa and at Arizona. Okay, let's say they're two and one. Then they go at Houston. Let's say two and two. Home for Jacksonville. That's an either or game. And then they play Tampa in London. And they go at San Francisco versus Tennessee. They could split those games. At Green Bay, I think's a loss. Atlanta at New Orleans at Atlanta. Yeah, I just I think they're about a 500 team. I don't think they're a bad team. If Cam has to miss a couple games, that's where they're going to get really hurt. I think they're going to be right around the the 8 And so I would lean under Chicago Bears, I'm going to go under this year Their over-under is 9 And a lot of people are really high on them 
Again, I don't think they're going to be a bad team. I just think the division is going to get a little bit better this year. They were very lucky to catch Green Bay and Minnesota both in real, in down years last year. Detroit was awful also. Detroit, I, I think, is going to be bad again. And Chicago's defense was incredible. They were uh, first in points allowed, first in downs, in first downs allowed. They were first in net passing yards. Uh, they were first in rushing yards gained. If they just regress a little bit, if they're not the number one overall defense again, they lost a little bit. I'm not sure if their pass defense is quite as strong. And then they lost their defensive coordinator, who was orchestrating this great defense. They it can't they can't be as good or better. I think they just regress a little bit. And then can the offense improve enough? Last year their schedule was really easy. They had two games with Green Bay, two games with Detroit, two games with with Minnesota who are all down. They played Arizona, Tampa, Miami, Buffalo, the Jets, the Giants, and the 49ers all last year. That is not the case this year. They better be 4-1 when they start because they have a really tough middle part of their schedule. They start at home against Green Bay, at Denver, at Washington, Minnesota, Oakland at Tottenham Stadium. So in that, you're traveling for your home game against Oakland and you have to go at Denver and at Washington but you still better get to 4-1 and one there because then after your bye week you play the Saints and the Chargers yes, both at home but you play Saints, Chargers, at Philly then Detroit, then at the Rams That's a five-game schedule a five-game spurt where you play the Saints, the Chargers, the Eagles and the Rams with Detroit in the mix then they close things out. Dallas, at Green Bay, Kansas City, at Minnesota. That is not an easy schedule for the Bears. Under the nine. Dallas Cowboys, now we found out that Ezekiel Elliott has signed a deal. Six-year, $90 million extension that makes him the highest paid running back in the NFL. $103 million over eight years. The first Cowboy to eclipse $100 million in total value. The richest running back contract, Ian Rappaport. Let's look at the Cowboys. With or without him, they could very easily have been 3-0. and On paper, right? They have to play the games, but we'll see what kind of shape Zeke is in. Dallas starts at home against the Giants, then at Washington, and then home against Miami. They could be 3-0. and Then they play... They have three out of four pretty tough games, and the, the the one game against the Jets is on the road. So then they go at New Orleans, home for Green Bay, at the Jets, home for Philly. So that, you know, you're, you're maybe four and three if everything breaks right for you. The rest of their schedule at the Giants, probably win that game, home for Minnesota. That's an either-or game. At Detroit, at New England isn't easy, but then home for Buffalo, at Chicago, they do have the Rams, and then at Philly, so not an easy schedule there for Dallas. I would give them the slight over, mainly because you get the couple games against Washington, you get the couple games against the Giants who aren't supposed to be good, and you should get a nice boost now with Zeke coming back and your 3-0 to start. Detroit Lions, under... I think they're going to be a really bad football team again this year. And if they don't win week one, they could be 0-7. They play at Arizona week one. Then they come home, they play the Chargers. They play at Philadelphia. They play Kansas City. Then they have a bye. They go at Green Bay and home against Minnesota. 
And then they have home against the Giants and at the Raiders If they don't beat the Cardinals in week 1 They may not win until they see the Giants in week 8 Or the Raiders in week 9 And then who knows by then, lots of things can change Maybe those teams are a little bit better than we thought This is a huge week 1 for the Lions Try to get off Playing a brand new team with a new coach With a new quarterback New offense You have to Have to beat this team and this rookie Starting game one when you play Arizona and Kyler Murray Packers Their over under is nine And I I like them to win their division this year I think they're going to bounce back in a big way Uh, We're going to go through the The Game breakdown of the Packers Bears preview But they improved a lot on their defense I think Matt LaFleur will help their offense Because they have pieces that Tennessee didn't have LaFleur has done good work when he's had pieces Compare Tennessee to Green Bay And they both have pretty good offensive line Tennessee has a good offensive line Green Bay has a pretty good offensive line too When you're comparing them Pro Football Focus had them both in the top 10 Now Let's look at the Green Bay schedule At the Bears week 1 Even if they lose that game They're home to Minnesota They're home to Denver They're home to Philly Let's say their first 4 games They start 2-2 two and two. Then they're at Dallas Even if that's a loss Let's say they're 2-3 and three. Then they come home to Detroit Home to Oakland They go at Kansas City And at the Chargers Even if they lose both of those games So I'm being kind Basically giving them losses To all of the, the tough teams They have home against Carolina I give them a win there Then they have a late bye And then after the bye Look at their schedule San Francisco Giants Washington Chicago at home At Minnesota And then at Detroit That's a very very winnable What five out of six games there If they split with the Bears They split with the Vikings And they lose to Philly Dallas Kansas City Chargers We're looking at a 10 win team That's giving them Wins against Detroit, the Bears One against the Vikings, at the Giants, at the 49ers Denver, the Raiders, the Panthers And the Redskins I think they're at least a 10 I think uh, that that seems like a 10 win team And maybe maybe they're a little bit better Than we think, and they, they beat the Bears week one Right, I'm going to pick the Packers To cover On three, I think you take them Because I think they could win, but I'm marking them up Just as a When, you, when you're going through the season Over-unders I always like to be A little more cautious Okay, I give teams an extra loss or two And then if I still like them That's when I really want to play their over-under Because otherwise I can play them individually Week to week Like if you like the Packers week one You could play their their money line this week You know, as a, as a three-point underdog Packers over Rams Is over-under ten and a half You know, I'm a Rams fan But I'm going to go slight under with with this, I, I think they have a really tough schedule When you look at it, they open up at Carolina I'll still give them a win there Then they play New Orleans Who you know is going to want revenge after what happened last year And the way the uh, Rams eliminated New Orleans in the playoffs And they go at Cleveland They come home for Tampa And they go at Seattle So in your first five games I would not be surprised if the Rams were 2-3 and three There Maybe they lose at Cleveland and at Seattle and to New Orleans Or maybe they lose their three road games And win the two home games I just It's not easy after a Super Bowl Loss to come back And everyone's kind of come firing at you And they go San Francisco At Atlanta which could be another loss They go at Pittsburgh 
They have the Bears on the schedule They have Baltimore on the schedule They have to go at Dallas So look at those games At Carolina, home against New Orleans At Cleveland, at Seattle, at Atlanta At Pittsburgh, home for the Bears Home for Baltimore and at Dallas That's like nine Games that are not going to be easy And then we don't know What San Francisco is going to be right? If they're a little bit better Or maybe if Arizona is a little bit better I think they're both going to be bad If either one of them can Give the Rams a game or two Now I still think the Rams are going to win the division I think it'll be a little closer though Between them and Seattle And you can see what the way the divisional odds are listed That Most people think that It's going to be a little tougher for the Rams this year also Vikings over under 9 I have them right on 9 I think they are Going to be a little bit better than they were last year they have that really interesting game with Atlanta to open up the season. Then they go at Green Bay, Green Bay uh, home for Oakland, at Chicago, at the Giants, home for Philly, at Detroit. They have a late bye in Week 12. Have games at Kansas City, at Dallas too, at the Chargers. I think they're right over a 500 team. I have them right on that over-under of 9. Not necessarily one that I love. I wouldn't play this one. New Orleans, I think they're going to win 12 games this year I mean, let's look through their schedule, right? They're home for Houston I think they're going to be really pumped up for this opening night game Then they go at the Rams At Seattle Home for Dallas, home for Tampa At Jacksonville, at Chicago Even if we give them losses at Chicago Losses at Jacksonville And then a loss to either the Rams or Seattle And we give them three losses early on They play Arizona, then a bye Then they come home off the bye And they play Atlanta At Tampa, home for Carolina At Atlanta, home for San Fran Home for Indy, at Tennessee, at Carolina Those are all winnable games I think they get the 12 wins this year New Orleans I have on the over The Giants I have them right on the over under of 6 And I actually would slightly lean over Towards them Week 1 Maybe they catch Zeke Not quite in shape But let's look at the rest of their schedule Let's say they lose to Dallas anyways They have games with Buffalo, the Jets Miami, Arizona Detroit, two with Washington And Tampa They play some of the worst teams In the league Miami and Arizona have the two lowest over-unders They get Washington Twice who's one Who's supposed to be one of the worst teams in the league on paper then they have the two games with Dallas, the two games with Philly And those are divisional games Maybe they can squeak one of those games out I think they'll be okay I don't know if they're going to be as bad As people think You have Saquon who can win you a couple games Might have the Giants Slightly over They're over under of six Eagles They might be The best team in football Their over-under is 10 I'm going to go over on that They are just a well-balanced Well-built football team Really on on all sides of the ball They are deep From a fantasy perspective That's why their Fantasy players Aren't quite I think as sexy this year Because there's so many of them They have such depth at the wide receiver position In the backfield they have a whole lot of depth Now Good team on defense Wentz now, he's back 
should be healthier now a couple years after the big injury. But his issues have always been staying healthy. Can he continue to stay healthy? I think he'll be a lot stronger this year. And I you go through their schedule. They open up with Washington and then at Atlanta and then Detroit. Let's say they're two and one there. We very easily could be three and oh. They go at Green Bay. Even if they're two and two there, then they have home for the Jets and at Minnesota and at Dallas. Let's say they lose those two games even. At Buffalo, Chicago, home for New England, home for Seattle, at Miami, home for the Giants, at Washington, home for Dallas, home for the Giants. When you have a couple games against Washington, a couple games against the Giants, you have Miami in there, you have Buffalo and the Jets in there, you have Detroit in there. I think that's a very good schedule for the Eagles to get the over and win 11 to 12 games. 49ers over under 8 I'm going under with them Too many question marks for me With their quarterback With Jimmy G What's the wide receiver depth chart look like The backfield Some question marks with Coleman with Brita Now McKinnon's out for the year Let's go through their schedule They they open up at Tampa and then at Cincinnati I mean, Those are two games on the road That are winnable games They're not easy because they're on the road But they could be 2-0 then they play Pittsburgh at home And then Cleveland at home after their bye At the Rams, at Washington Carolina, a couple games with Arizona A couple with Seattle You gotta go at New Orleans though You have to play at Baltimore Which isn't easy You have Green Bay and Atlanta As a couple of your other home games So I don't think How do they get to the 8? I can't see it I see like 6 6 to 7 maybe under San Francisco 49ers Too many question marks Seahawks Their over under is 8.5 Made a trade the other day to get Clowney I'm going to go over the 8.5 I feel like they'll probably be At 9 and the Rams will probably Be at 10 They'll be really close to each other Battling for that division Seahawks could beat Cincinnati They go at Pittsburgh and they go verse, and then home for New Orleans, and then at Arizona. So let's say they're two and two, and they play the Rams at Cleveland. They could even be two and four to start. Home against Baltimore at Atlanta, Tampa at San Fran. It's the end of the schedule that I like a little bit better, where they get to close with Arizona and San Francisco. They at Carolina game. Who knows what that could be? They play the Rams tough, and they get Minnesota at home. The Seahawks. We're going to go slightly over the 8.5. Tampa Bay Bucks. Over under 6.5. New coach Bruce Arians. I'm going to go with the under here. With Jameis. With a bad offensive line. Not sure what the backfield looks like. Barber. Ronald Jones. No thank you. They're over under 6.5. I'm going to go under with them. They play San Fran week 1. They could win that game. Then they go at Carolina. They're home against the Giants And they go at the Rams At New Orleans And then they play Carolina in London After their bye week At Tennessee, at Seattle Home against Arizona Home against New Orleans At Atlanta, at Jacksonville They play 4 of 6 on the road And their two home games One of them is against New Orleans After their bye week That is just It's going to be tough for Tampa Close things out with Houston and Atlanta at home Two teams that will probably be battling for playoff spots Do you think that's going to be easy for Tampa? I'm going 
under the six and a half. Washington Redskins final NFC team under the six. Let's find their first win at Philly, home for Dallas, home for Chicago, maybe at New York week four, but it's on the road. Then they have to play New England at home. They go at Miami. Miami's not good, but when you trap to go on the road, it's not easy. Home for San Fran, at Minnesota, at Buffalo. I don't like the schedule for Washington. I'm getting to five wins, maybe. Let's give them the Giants, a game against the Jets. Maybe the at Buffalo game, maybe home against San Francisco. And then at Miami, it gets you to five. I'm under. For the Washington Redskins. So as far as the NFC is concerned. Some of the totals that I like. Uh, I think the Falcons will be over. If you can get. If you can find an over under of like 9 or 9.5. Or you don't have to. Is I think they're going to get to 10. Maybe 11 wins. And I don't want to have to. Uh, to give minus 150. I'm going to go. Under on the Bears. too. I think they're going to be 9 or under. Uh, that's the one of the ones I'm stronger on. The Packers over, I like. One of the ones I'm stronger on. Um, I, I wouldn't want to play the Rams under because it's because I root for the Rams, but I do think they'll they'll be slightly under. The Saints, I do think they'll be over. That's a good over to play. Uh, Philly, I think they'll be over. San Fran, I think they'll be under. Most of the other ones were kind of lukewarm either way. Tampa, I definitely would bet under. And... And then Washington to round things out, I'll probably be under <laughs> under there also. So remember, if you missed the AFC over-unders, just check that out on the one of the previous episodes of That's What G Said podcast. It's up, up in the title of the podcast, the uh, AFC over-unders. Now, on Twitter, I ran some polls to ask who you think are going to win each division. Starting out with the NFC West. Cardinals get 4% of the vote. The Rams, 62%. 49ers, 14%. The Seahawks, 20%. So no surprise there. The Rams with a 62% in the uh, NFC West. NFC South. Saints get 57% of the vote. Falcons, 24% of the vote. Panthers, 14%. And the Bucks get 5% of the vote. NFC North. The Bears got 43%. The Vikings got 26%. The Packers actually ended up third in twenty with 25%. And the Lions had 6% of the vote. NFC East was not a runaway. The Eagles got 49% of the vote. And the Cowboys got 35 The Giants took 9%. And the Redskins took 8% to win the NFC East. Voting for the AFC West, Kansas City, overwhelming 62%. The Chargers got 23% of the vote. The Raiders with 9% and the Broncos with 6 The Texans had 52% of the vote in the AFC South. The Jags with 25 Titans got 13% and the Colts with 11% with Brissett. AFC North was a tight one. 37% to the Steelers, 35% to the Browns, 21% to the Ravens, and then 7 to the Bengals. And the AFC East, the Patriots, 75%. The Jets, 15 The Bills, 6 The Dolphins, 
So that was where your your thoughts on the polls on Twitter. The way that I gonna see the playoffs unfolding, and if you're looking to play like odds for each division, the NFC North, I would play Green Bay. You can get them over uh, over two to one. They're plus two ten. I think that's a that's a strong. I mean, I wouldn't. The Bears are plus one sixty five. Vikings plus one ninety. I, I like the Packers the better of those three though, and I think that's a it's a nice price over two to one. In the NFC West, the Rams are minus one seventy. The Seahawks are plus three fifty. You can make a case for either of those. I would lean towards the Rams, but if you're one of bad, if you're looking for value, the Seahawks at plus three fifty now. They strengthened their defense up a little bit. Offensively is the question: Do they have enough receiving? They have enough big play guys to go get them a first down. AFC North, I'd play Baltimore at plus two seventy. Cleveland's at plus one fifty. Pittsburgh's plus one fifty. Cincinnati's plus twenty three hundred. Baltimore might be a, a sneaky play at plus two seventy there, and Cleveland plus one fifty getting a lot of buzz. Pittsburgh plus one fifty. Uh, any of the three could win that division. In the AFC South, I would play Jacksonville at their same uh, as I like Green Bay. They're over two to one. You can get plus two ten, plus two twenty some places on Jacksonville to win that division. The AFC West, I would play the Chargers at plus one ninety over the Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs are minus one sixty. I think they're both going to be good, but if you're going to play one of the two, I would prefer the Chargers. The Patriots in the AFC East are minus five hundred. Just can't build a case for anyone else there. Wouldn't. Ever play anyone at minus 500 though And then the Eagles at minus 145 As for as good as I think the Eagles are going to be That seems like a pretty decent price So at minus 145 If you can get the Eagles to win the NFC East I would take that The NFC South I would play Atlanta at plus 350 If you can get 7-2 to two on Atlanta To win the NFC South I think you'd take it So the way The, the way I have the playoffs team set up In the AFC I have the Patriots, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Kansas City, Chargers, Baltimore. It's going to be Baltimore Pitt for that last. So I have Chargers, Baltimore Pitt, Houston as the teams battling to get into the playoffs. It'll be two of those four. So Patriots, Jacksonville, Cleveland, Kansas City as my division winners. And then the wild card teams, I'll go with the Chargers, I'll go with Baltimore, and then I'll have uh, Pitt and Houston right on the outside looking in. And then the NFC will have the Rams, the Eagles, the we'll give the Falcons the slight nod over the is from a, a betting perspective over the Saints, but we'll have them both in the playoffs too. So the six NFC playoff teams we have Rams, Eagles, Saints, Packers, Falcons, Seahawks. I'm gonna have the Bears, Vikings, Panthers, Cowboys all out of the playoffs on the outside looking in. Week one, game one, Packers at the Bears. Bears are minus three, three and a half, wherever you're looking. It's the over-under of 46. The Packers are 16-5 and versus the Bears with Aaron Rodgers, and they have won 15 of their last 18. Last year, they split. In the season opener, Green Bay won 24-23. Remember, they were down 20 to nothing. They came back to win. Rodgers got hurt. He was carted off the field. It was his left knee. Khalil Mack was dominating. 
For the Bears now, it's going to be second season with Matt Nagy and Trubinsky. Last year, Trubisky had a, a really good start to the season. He got hurt. He had to miss weeks 12 and 13, and he struggled after his return. Prior to the injury, during his first nine games, this is some, some stats from Rotowire, 300 yards passing four times, multiple TDs six times, 7.8 yards per catch. They have Allen Robinson. Anthony Miller is not on the injury report. Uh, Tariq Cohen, David Montgomery, Mike Davis, what's that backfield going to be like? They have a new defensive coordinator now with Chuck Pagano. He was the defensive coordinator for a year with Baltimore in 2011 when they went 12 and four. Then he went to Indy in six years as a head coach. It was 53 and 43. The Packers have improved their defense quite a bit. Safety Adrian Amos left the Bears. Zadarius Smith, linebacker. Preston Smith, linebacker. Savage, the safety who is the number 21 pick and who has number 21 now. 21 Savage The number 12 pick Sean Gary Linebacker All additions to this Packers defense And then the Bears weaknesses On defense could be against the pass Packers have that well Balanced offense with the number 7 Ranked offensive line in pro football focus Rodgers Jones in the backfield Adams was the number 1 ranked Fantasy wide receiver last year in scoring and then you have Geronimo Allison and Valdez Scanling who are a couple young receivers who are on the upswing. Very good. Lots of weapons there in Green Bay. Head coach Lafleur, was the OC for the Rams in 2017 and for the Titans in 2018. And one thing that you'll notice he ran the ball really, really well in both places. In 2017, the Rams were number one in points. They were top eight in rushing yards, rushing touchdowns, and yards per rush. They were top 10 in passing yards, passing touchdowns, and net yards per attempt. 2018, the offense for Tennessee wasn't that good, but they were number six overall in rushing yards. So what that tells me is that I think the Packers are going to run the ball a little bit better this year. I think they're going to focus on having a balanced offense. They have a good defense now. I think overall they're just going to be a better football team. More depth on the defense, strong offensive line, more creativity now in the offensive scheme. If you can get the Packers plus the three, you got the three and a half, take it. But you got to get the three at least. It's got to be three, three and a half. Get the three and a half if you can. Uh, I think the Packers have a big chance to win this game. So I would predict that the Packers do in fact win this game by a 3 or 4, something like 21-17 would be the prediction. Packers Bears Thursday night football NFL kicks off. Very excited. Final episode of Raiders Hard Knocks in an episode that's a lot about the cuts, a lot about uh, finalizing the 53-man roster. Right off the bat, we see some of the coaches, they're talking about Andrew Luck and retirement and how the retirement rate is 100%, how nobody can ever play this game forever. Gruden sits down with the, the defensive coordinator, D.C. Paul Gunther. They, uh, they're commuting together back and forth. He liked what he saw when he was watching Paul on Monday Night Football. He tells a, a story about how he 
was watching film and he we wanted to work with him and then he Gruden talks about Ty Detmer who was concussed and he saw them having Ty count backwards by threes and that's kind of where he picked up the whole count backwards by threes from a hundred. People seem to love that. He was getting lots of messages about it. Antonio Brown's looking good. He's pumped up. He's getting massaged up, physical therapy after his workout. Trying on every helmet, looking for one he likes, and he's finally got it figured out. A real new, kind of big looking boat sized helmet. Gruden talking to Carr about getting rid of the ball on the move a little bit more, getting out of the pocket. And in some of the drills, Gruden's actually out there chasing his quarterbacks, which I think people really like when your coaches are out there running around with you. Some, seems a little corny, but it is, I think it does pump people up a little bit. Talking to the Gruden's talking with the running back, showing the running backs film of some really good running backs who block, picking up blitzes. Le'Veon Bell, Danny Woodhead, guys that weren't necessarily known for the guys that were known for their skill with the ball, but he was showing what they were doing without the ball and how they helped the offense. Linebacker Brandon Marshall, he's coming back from injury. He's great. He's talking about how Peyton Manning helped him when he was playing against Peyton Manning in practices and, and he was working hard and Peyton put in a couple good words for him to some of the coaches and that really uh, upped his profile. He ended up winning a Super Bowl with Denver. Brandon Marshall's coming off an injury in the offseason and he's trying to get back. He wants to prove that he's still a top linebacker in this league, but he's worried the team that the team thinks he's done and he's a little too banged up because he has been he has been Rehabbing, He hasn't been able to focus 100% Jonathan Abram Max Crosby Darren Waller They've all made the cuts They are they made the team In Gruden Talking uh, positive about Peterman We've seen that he likes Peterman quite a, bo- uh, a lot he, he seems to like Helan Doss Who's done everything they've asked Talks about the tight end Luke Wilson is in a battle to make the team Jason Cabinda is in a battle to make the team Brandon Marshall coming back from injury All guys battling to make the team As we get set for preseason game 4 Raiders versus Seahawks at Seattle It's raining Luke Wilson's back with Seattle Where he won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks It's a huge game for the backups And for all the guys on the fringe of being cut Mike Glennon's battling for the backup job We see Mrs. Cabinda Jason Cabinda's mom She's at home watching She's She's a lot of fun. Gruden, throw a pick, Gino, you're due. Hey, don't say that to me. Don't say that to me, Gruden. He's talking trash out there on the sidelines, which is great. Cabinda's trying to lead as a middle linebacker. Seems like he has a bounce in his step most of the night. We get that Peterman Keelan Doss connection, which leads to a good field goal drive before the half. But then Doss drops two in a row. And that seems to be. Frustrating, obviously frustrating the coaches But that seemed to be a big moment Those drops He wants a little more Gruden wants a little more urgency from Doss though They get Doss back in the game But you could tell Gruden was pissed He even makes a comment to Mike Mayock Give me some guys who can catch the ball Doss finishes with 6 receptions for 63 yards Peterman Gets hit, he fumbles, he has a twinge in his elbow But he decides he needs to play through it Because he has to prove himself He drives the Raiders To within two They score, they're down 17-15 With a minute and 53 left They go for two 
but they couldn't complete it, and they end up losing. And in the locker room, Gruden basically says goodbye to the team as a team before the cuts, and and now we see the coaches having to make the cuts. Brandon Marshall cut the injury, the rehab set him back. Luke Wilson, not used to this. He's cut. He's obviously bummed out about it. He's frustrated. Veterans getting cut that are... uh, Having to come to terms with the fact that they don't quite have the skill that they used to have when they were younger with the, a fresher body. Doss and Cabinda, they make the first round of the cuts, though. They, they survive. Abram and Clellan Farrell, they're out there fishing, and uh, Abram's wearing his Salmon or Salmon t shirt. Darren Waller, not only did he make the cuts, but he's actually named the starting tight end. You know, he's on the comeback from. The drug problems and addiction So great to see him doing so well Peterman makes the team But he is on the IR With an injured elbow Looks like a young team They mentioned they have 12 rookies But they cut Keelan Doss Who will be headed to the Jaguars Jason Cabinda also gets cut He was talking with Coach Gunther They just could not afford to take that many linebackers Jason calls to talk to his mom but he, and he already has uh, an invite to Detroit He's on the way there, the Lions have called So Jason Cabinda heading to Detroit We close things out with uh, Owner Mark Davis Talking about his dad and his dad's vision And we see Some of the Early Movement to Vegas Ceremonies and and uh, How the Raiders are getting Ready to move to Vegas next year Gruden congratulates the 53 men and the 12 rookies that made the team. And now it is time for the Raiders to get their season kicked off. Antonio Brown is working out in the pool, the running bike with weights. He's catching passes. He's diving. He's going to be a big part to this Raiders team. If he can play like Antonio Brown, they're going to be able to to at least be fun and probably upset a couple teams that are not uh, expecting anything from the Raiders. Hard Knocks. If you missed any episode of Hard Knocks Each week We did a full recap of every episode You can go back and listen to past episodes of That's what G said For Raiders Hard Knocks Each and every week Episode recaps Let's get to college football Week 1 As far as the top 25 We're concerned we only had one game In week 1 where we had Two teams that were ranked that played each other, and it was Auburn, Oregon, and it was uh, number 11 Oregon against number 16 Auburn. Auburn won 27 21. True freshman quarterback Bo Nix got a big fourth and three to keep a final drive going. Oregon was up 21 to six late in the third quarter. Auburn came back to win 27 21. And even, even with this win, it wasn't a great weekend for the SEC. Who had Tennessee lose to Georgia State South Carolina lose to North Carolina Missouri lose to Wyoming And Ole Miss losing to Memphis And then the Pac-12 Obviously not a great weekend for them Either with Oregon losing their big Game to Auburn Oregon State losing to Oklahoma State UCLA losing to Cincinnati Arizona losing to Hawaii And USC winning But losing their starting quarterback JT Daniels who will now be out for the season with a 9 to 12 month recovery In the top 25 Other than that Game with the two ranked teams We didn't see a whole lot 
nothing surprising with the top teams Clemson, Bama, Georgia, Oklahoma, Ohio State, LSU, Michigan, Notre Dame, Texas uh, All got the victories Some big performances from week one We saw Hubbard from Oklahoma State rush for 20 Rush 26 times for 221 yards and 3 touchdowns From Oklahoma, Jalen Hurts, transfer quarterback 20 for 23, 332 yards and 3 touchdowns 20 for 23 Travis Etienne from Clemson at 12 rushes for 205 yards and 3 touchdowns Kylan Hill from Mississippi State 27 rushes for 197 yards and a touchdown Christopher Brown Jr. from Cal 36 rushes for 197 yards and a touchdown And then Zach Moss who is one of the best running backs in the nation I liked BYU They played so poorly And still had opportunities To be right in the game Utah was, they ran the ball well But they did not play great Especially in the first half But Zach Moss carried them Zach Moss rushed for 187 yards And a touchdown And he Had 15 missed tackles forced on the ground That was 4 more than the next closest He gained 121 of 187 yards after contact 11 of his carries went for a first down And another one scored a touchdown So an unbelievable night there For Zach Moss Who you're going to see have great nights all season One of the best players in college football and I believe he was the highest ranked running back Coming back in college football USC Unfortunately USC, Fresno State The the news coming out of that game Even though USC won They did not look great And their starting quarterback JT Daniels Has a torn ACL and meniscus He will be out for 9-12 to 12 months USC won the game 31-23 to 23. Fresno outscored USC 10-0 though in the fourth quarter And as a USC fan It was not a positive for USC to have a penalty on the first play of the game And if this USC team is going to be any good this year now With with the loss of JT Daniels They need Amon Ross St. Brown, Tyler Vons, Viva Malapai, Carr they have to be awesome Pittman They need their 5 or 6 skill players To be really really good Almond Ross St. Brown cannot drop a 3rd down pass Tyler Vons can't drop a 3rd down pass Can't fumble the ball We saw JT Daniels throw an interception on 2nd and goal They can't have those kind of mistakes They just can't Quarterback Slovis was 6 for 8 For 57 yards with a pick Hopefully this offense can help him Get the ball out of his hands quickly And if you're talking about skill players Malapai, Carr, Vons, Amon Ross St. Brown, Michael Pittman Jr. You just have to use them and feed them The USC Perimeter D really struggled to contain They gave up 206 yards rushing, 5.2 yards per carry There were three different players with runs of 13 yards or more Quarterback Jorge Reyna was 19 for 39 with 256 yards He had two touchdowns and a pick He had 20 carries for 88 yards USC's always struggled containing It's amazing Even with the athletes they have And and the talented players they recruit They always struggle containing quarterbacks Who can move around Who can get out of the pocket a little bit Now, week one We're always excited to see week one Just because 
college football's back. We didn't have a lot of awesome games that we wanted to sit down and watch. That's not the case this week. As since he plays number 5 Ohio State, Nebraska plays Colorado, number 12 Texas A&M plays number 1 Clemson. We have number 6 LSU versus number 9 Texas and Stanford comes and plays USC. So there are some big games on the slate for this weekend. We're going to break down the schedule and get into a couple games that we like to bet on the Friday episode of That's What G Said podcast. So we'll recap this week and then uh, we'll recap on this episode and then we'll have some predictions and some games to wager on for uh, for the weekend on the Friday episode of That's What G Said. Folks, one of the most difficult things in life is is moving, you know, the process of trying to relocate, leasing, selling, buying a new home. I have a person who is perfect to help you out in this situation. Her name is Cindy Carava. So get to cindycarava.com for all of your real estate needs. She can help you with anything at all. If you have just a question about your house, your home's value, you need help with the loan, you need help finding vendors, you just want to improve your home, anything at all, send her an email. cindyc.realtor at gmail.com. Visit her website, cindycarava.com. Horse racing. Thursday, September the 5th, Kentucky Downs. We're going to go through races 3, 4, 5, 6, 10. Just going to give you the the horses that I like in, in these particular races or the plays in these spots. So let's get to race number 3. And the third is the 6.5 furlongs, maiden special weights, 2-year-olds. I'm going to play four horses in the exotics. The two horses that are the price horses that I like the most are the four and the six. Let's talk a little bit about the six first. Atlas Moon, who is 30 to 1 on the morning line. I I would be shocked if he's half of that. If he is, then make sure to include him in all of your exotics. He comes out of a really strong race on July the 27th at Ellis Park, where he sat a nice third. He angled out. He got to second. He got up to within a couple of lengths at the top of the lane before fading. And he was the only horse who even took a shot at Peace Achieved who won that day. Peace Achieved came right back to win the juvenile stakes at Kentucky Downs last weekend. The third place finisher, Sir Winsalot, won a maiden special weight next out at Ellis Park. Atlas Moon is coming out of a strong race, even though his figure is a little low. Look how much he improved from start one to start two. When he added Lasix, he added blinkers, and he went to the turf, and he stretched out. Now, I don't even know if it was a stretch out because he faded, so now you're cutting back from the mile to six and a half at this turf course that's a demanding turf course. Atlas Moon should be fit on this turn back. The Drake, the number four, will try the grass for the first time. Four siblings, three tried the turf, two of them won. He finished third last time out in a race at Laurel Park, where the top two, they were 1-2 all the way around. They were 32-1 to one and 33-1. to one. So it was a race where two long shots just went out front, cruised all the way around. Look at how slow they went going six furlongs. And the Drake just didn't have any, any pace to run at whatsoever. I think he improves. 
First time on the turf for Proctor, Glenhill Farm, Ortiz jumping aboard. And then you have the seven and the nine who I think are the logical contenders, right? We're still here, the seven. The dam was two for six on the grass. Three siblings, two that tried the turf are both multiple turf winners. He tackled Graded Stakes Company last time out, although I don't know how strong that group really was. He still has faced better. We're still here. And he should enjoy jumping on the grass for the first time. You get Florent Giroux aboard for Brissette now. Logical contender, tough to keep out of the exotics. The nine art collector, I feel the same way about who came running. He was towards the rear early on. He moved along the inside all the way. It was a clear cut second and it was a fine effort. He should pick up some pieces late and he'll probably be the one to hold off in here. But I think. Let's try to get the four and the six and all the exotics. Those are the key horses for me as far as the exactas, tries, and supers are concerned. So I want to play exactas, tries, and supers with these four horses. Four, six, seven, and nine, who I think are the top contenders in here. However, you're playing this race rolling. I generally don't like to say, you know, better trifecta box. It's usually not the smartest way to play it. But in this case, it might be okay because you have two horses who should be pretty big prices. Um, but I'll be keying. Tries supers with the the four six and I think the seven and nine are tough to leave out in all of them. So those are those are my four horses for exotics in race three at Kentucky Downs. Race number four at Kentucky Downs. I like the three Esfira. Anything around three to one, I think, is a good single in your your early exotics and a horse who I would play to win. Debuted. She's lightly raced. She's only raced four times, and that's really why I like her the most. I think she has a lot of upside in this field and the ability with putting two starts together to take a real big step forward. Debuted going five furlongs. It was okay, and she started to make up some ground late. She was obviously a little green. Time off between February and December. She comes back in December. The race is taken off the grass. She's second behind a, a runaway next out winner. Then the January race is the one you really like The maiden breaking score She breaks well From the inside She gets shuffled on the inside a bit She's 5th, she's 6-7 off She angles to the outside, 3 deep 3 behind at the top of the lane And gets up for a really easy win Last time out, she missed the break She saves ground on the inside She's 6, she's 5 off, slight bid She didn't really get going until late Now she's going to go second start off the 6 month break She's actually one of the quickest in here When you look around this field She should not be far out of it early There is no speed signed on for this race This is a lightly raced filly On the improve She acts like she can run all day And she could get a pace advantage in here From the inside, second off the bench I think the three is an absolute standout in here If you can get anything around three to one Let's bet a win wager on Esfira And I think a single in any of your rolling exotics In race number four the fifth race, maiden special weight, six and a half furlongs, two year olds. Let's go to the 10. Another Glen Hill Farm, Proctor, right? This one debuted, drew the rail, got a lot of action in the debut. Slow start from the rail, was outrun early, and then it was just a little bit even late. There's a little more to this one. The dam was a multiple graded stakes winner, the lone sib summering one stakes. At two, one twice at two I'm expecting food and wine Take a nice step forward Second out The number 10, food and wine 
play And all of your exotics play to win if you can get around 6-1 to one. Fifth race, or excuse me, sixth race Kentucky Downs Let's go to the number 5, Lexington Grace If you go back and look in, in her form She has no wins at 6.5 But she has a win at 6 furlongs And 3 wins at 7 furlongs Her last start She Saved ground, she was 5th 6th of 8, she was 7-8 off She was uh, on the rail She angled to the 2 path She closed well, she had no chance to win But she got up late for 3rd And then you look at the way this race shapes up on paper Libby knows, VJ's bet Focused, Pibu, Storm and Lady There should be plenty of pace in here To set up Lexington Grace's late rally The race back in July, 3 starts back in Indiana Look who was 2nd that day, Honolulu Moon who came back to win a $250,000 stakes at Kentucky Downs on Saturday and who beat Lamari who was in that race. Lexington Grace, if you can get, you know, 6 to 1 or over on Lexington Grace worthy of a win wager, the number 5 Lexington Grace in race 6 at Kentucky Downs. And then we'll close things out in race number 10 at Kentucky Downs with the number 1 Mo Amor. Who will be making her third start Her second start off the bench She was bumped a bit But she was able to tuck in An 8th, ninth of 11 Last time out She was in the 2 path She was 7, she was 8 off She kept to the inside And she closed well Now she goes 2nd off the bench She gets to save ground from the inside At a distance I'm expecting big improvement from her The 3rd place finisher from that July 27th race Came back to win a maiden special weight next out at Ellis Park. The ninth place finisher came back to win a maiden special weight next out at Belterra. So she's exiting a live race that has come back productive. Mo Amor saves the ground, comes rolling late. That's the number one Mo Amor in race number 10. So, uh, quick little overview for you Thursday, September 5th, Kentucky Downs, third race. Four, six, seven, nine in the exotics. The two real key horses are the four, six as the price horses to include. But I do think the seven and the nine, I want to have them on top and the, on the bottom of the four and the six. Fourth race, the number three, Esfira at three to one. Fifth race, the number 10, Food and Wine. If we can get six to one, that's fair price. Sixth race, the number five, Lexington Grace. If we can get six to one, that's fair price. And then the tenth race, the number one, Mo Amore. Same thing. I think if we can get half of the morning line, that's where she should be. She looks more like a six to one shot to me, Mo Amore. Those are the plays at Kentucky Downs for Thursday, September the 5th. TV time. Talk a little ballers. Recap Season 5, Episode 2. Starts with Spencer Strassmore, The Rock He's telling stories, he's being interviewed And he's talking all about the people He knew before he got famous Who were, you know More talented than him People that got caught up in gangs And in shootings And he wonders why why did I make it out What's so lucky about me So we're seeing him getting interviewed a lot now In these first couple episodes So what is, what's that telling me is that either we find out that he is getting interviewed because he is the first 
black majority owner in the NFL Or maybe he turned it down Maybe it's an interview, he's in the Hall of Fame Or um, just a documentary in general But he continues to tell these stories throughout And we see Spencer telling about what we assume Is talking about Things that are happening in the past So we're seeing like future Spencer Flash to the future He's getting interviewed back and forth quite a bit Candace calls Spencer She said that he needs to be fully financed By the end of the week Because they have competing offers And that makes Spencer a little uncomfortable Because Candace reached out to him But she said They want Spencer most And he's joking because of uh, of his skin color He thinks that's the, the reason why Which is, is true, they want him to be the first black Majority owner Joe Is back at the office and Dan has not come into work And it might be because of the Hostile workplace, Joe using Foul language, throwing things, harassing Language, and now Lance Russell Brand is being the responsible One, which is Funny and a little bit of role reversal, not that Joe's ever really been responsible Ricky Jarrett wakes up from the surgery He just got hit by a car Tears in the ACL, MCL, PCL He wakes up And he wants to leave But he doesn't want to talk to his doctor He has to talk to the doctor though And figure out what is the rehab And what uh, is the game plan moving forward Vernon Comes to see Reggie And Vernon's hanging out with the gamer Kobe, the the young 15 year old And Kobe's vouching for Vernon's gaming skills Reggie's kind of making jokes about They shouldn't have necessarily been up gaming all night And Vernon wants to be a two-sport athlete He wants to do both NFL and gaming So they basically set up a, a match Where Vernon's trying to show Reggie How good he is against Kobe The young little 15-year-old white gamer Spencer goes to meet with his old bosses The Andersons He needs their help and their money and their backing To buy the Kansas City Chiefs Initially they don't love the deal It's going to be 3 billion dollars There's a strike looming They're going to have to pay more than, than a lot more than the last team But Spencer reminds them The NFL might be expanding to 18 games You have Mahomes, you have a good team They can bring in their own people to run the show but Julian Anderson is concerned with the new CBA The fact that Mahomes is not signed He's very tentative General manager Charles Is brought some footage Of one of his players Santig In a video where there's a shooting And the shoot and the bullet Grazed a person The security guard was looking out for him And, and so he brought Charles the footage So now Charles is withholding Information Joe goes to see his employee Dan To apologize for the crude language And Dan ends up coming back To the office to help prep for the meeting They have a big meeting with Odell Beckham Jr They want to try to make him a A big part of their company Charles Brings his player Kassan Teague in He wants to show him the video that he found And Teague kind of waves it right off He acts like it's no big deal Charles is just looking out for him He's trying to tell him to settle down But Teague's just pushing it off no big deal, he acts like he was in the right, wrong place At the wrong time In the big one-on-one gaming matchup Between Vernon and Kobe Kobe beats Vernon And and Reggie mentions You know, you're good But you're a top 500 gamer in the world And you're the 10th best defensive player in the NFL You can make 100 million for the NFL And for your Being the top 500 gamer in the world You get energy drinks 
Vernon says it's not all about the money. Says he's going to leave Reggie if Reggie won't support his dreams. More flashbacks of Spencer being interviewed. Talking about college in Miami, getting in trouble, partying down in South Beach. And he mentions uh, that a professor had to come and vouch for him. We see Ricky, Jarrett talking with the doctor. The doctor mentions eight months recovery. Doctor tells Ricky that he did Sproles ACL and arm at 35 and he came back fine. But Jarrett does not think with the, the three tears that he'll be able to come back. So he feels like his time is up. Benny, the assistant GM to Charles, is now asking questions about Kassan. He knows something's up. Charles kind of tells him not to worry about it and just ask him for a list of all speed wide receivers because now they're going to be in some trouble now with two of their star players with Jarrett out. And who knows what's going to be happening with Teague with this shooting incident if the footage gets out. Ricky. Talking to his family and his entourage And he tells them he's going to retire He thinks it was God's plan uh, His dad has a one-on-one with him And he compliments him And he compliments Ricky on his work ethic And Ricky, you could see he's a little upset Because he feels like he said he, he had more left Thinks he had a little more left in the tank We see Odell Beckham Jr. come in to meet with Lance and Joe The big pitch goes great They want Odell Beckham Jr. to be a part and the face of their new campus and their new brand. He is pleased. Looks like all is positive and they celebrate. Looks like things are going well for Joe and Lance and their company. Spencer and Candace are at dinner and he asks her to be president of the Chiefs. She turns him down because now she is going to be getting a promotion. She will be the number two behind Roger Goodell. Spencer's deal was pending on her being the president So now he's going to have to figure things out With the Andersons because they want a plan If they're going to invest She encourages him to find Another way So now, moving forward What's going to happen With Joe and Lance and their partnership With Odell Beckham Jr. Spencer trying to put together A team to buy the Chiefs And if he does Who will he have run the organization? Is Ricky going to try to come back from this Injury What's up with Teague And with Charles withholding the information Vernon Is he going to continue on this path of wanting to be a gamer Lots happening In the final season Of Ballers that was Season 5 episode 2 Let's close out with a little All elite wrestling All out discussion They had the big pay per view Over the weekend and I thought compared to All In, Double or Nothing, some of the other pay-per-views, it was it was on par. Maybe not as as hot as the others. I think because they haven't been on TV quite yet, a lot of the storylines just haven't continued. And that's fine when you have one show or two shows, but I think through like their third or fourth show now, there's still too many of their performers who were not involved in some sort of a storyline. We do have a storyline with Chris Jericho though, as Chris Jericho had the WW I said WWE, the AEW title belt that he won stolen from him, which is amazing. 
So this was the tweet that happened yesterday. The Tallahassee police have confirmed that Chris Jericho's belt was stolen. The victim reported the theft of his championship wrestling belt while he was eating inside Longhorn Steakhouse. The victim stated he arrived at the Millionaire Club Airport Terminal and placed the belt inside his rented limousine. The limo driver shuttled the victim to Longhorn for dinner. Victim remained at Longhorn while the limo driver returned to the airport. Victim had taken the wrong luggage from the airport and the driver took it back to the terminal. When the driver picked up the victim from the restaurant, the belt was missing. Respondent officers searched the limo and airport for the belt without success. On call was consulted and forensics responded to the scene. Victim, Chris Jericho. That is amazing. So, Jericho posted a video where he was launching a worldwide investigation. But, apparently, as of this morning, the belt had been found. Although the investigation is still underway, but the belt had been found. So unbelievable. No matter what, this is great, great publicity. Just everyone talking about the the belt. The Tallahassee police have confirmed that the belt has been found. So quick recap of all out. Yeah, we the with October 2nd as the beginning of the weekly TV. For AEW, I think the storylines will come and they will improve a little bit. And at, at then they'll have a women's champion crowned that night. They have a, a men's champion now. They have a good Kenny Omega losing kind of streak storyline. They have a really good tag team division. And it looks like the Bucks will kind of separate from the Lucha Bros. We'll have Cody, MJF, Sean Spears stuff going on. Moxley will be coming back. Lots to look forward to. In the women's casino battle royal, Nyla Rose won. So Nyla Rose, in a place that showcased the women, she will now be the number one contender. And she will face Riho for the AEW women's title on the first episode of TV. It was a good, just a good little battle royal. They showcased the women. They had some surprises. Mercedes Martinez was in there. Uh, ODB was there. A couple good tag matches where Private Party defeated Jack Evans and uh, Angelico. Uh, Luchasaurus, Jungle Boy were in the next match. They're really hot. SCU defeated the Jurassic Express. But Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy, they're very over with the crowd right now. Pac, the bastard. Pac. Defeated Kenny Omega via submission It was actually like a stoppage What I like is that They've not been afraid to give Kenny losses Kenny losses And this was a great fill in match For Moxley, it was supposed to be Moxley Omega, Pac in here now And Pac to be one of the top stars In AEW We have a hardcore match between Jimmy Havoc, Joey Janela And Darby Allin Just crazy hardcore And they did a good job of Throughout the show Giving everybody a little something different, right? This is just for all the fans of the real hardcore matches. You got a chance to showcase the women earlier on. A couple really hot tag matches. Then just a great match in general with Pac and Omega. One of the only acts that's really not over is the Dark Order. We did get to see Orange Cassidy come out though. Who, If you haven't watched Orange Cassidy, look him up on YouTube. He is just a totally different type character who is really funny. An old school brawl where we 
it was totally overbooked, but it was so much fun. It was a very Cody Rhodes, Dusty Rhodes match. It was Cody beating Sean Spears via via pinfall. A match that had Bland, Tully Blanchard, MJF, Earl Hebner, Arn Anderson, DDP, Brandy, Pharaoh the Dog, Cody in Star Trek gear. Cody's a star. He does a great job. The only issue I have is that I would have loved to see Spears get the win in this first match and have maybe Cody end up winning the feud. But they're telling a story with MJF in the mix too. And MJF might be turning soon. He uh, Maybe he has something with Sean Spears and then he turns on Cody. But I like where they're going here. We had the Tag Team Championship, the AAA Tag Team Championship, the Lucha Bros, and the Young Bucks. This was their sixth match of 2019 and it was the match of the night. Everything that you could imagine. High flying, unbelievable offense, moves that you've never seen. Adding a move onto another move onto another move. Lucha Bros get the win. And then after the match, Santana and Ortiz, formerly known as LAX, come out and wreak havoc. And then in the AEW World Championship match, the first one ever, Chris Jericho defeated Hangman Adam Page to become the first ever championship, hit the Judas effect, and got the three count. And then after the match, he was walking around with the title backstage, just talking trash to people, calling them out, begging them for thank yous. It was amazing. You can see that footage on YouTube. Go check it out if you didn't. Uh, with the TV coming up, we'll do a lot more in-depth AEW reviews also where we kind of go through a lot of the matches and um, we'll really break down uh, All Elite Wrestling even more because in just a month on Wednesday nights, it's going to be All Elite Wrestling and NXT. T. Thanks for tuning in again, everyone. Appreciate you spending uh, an hour, hour and a half with us here on That's What G Said podcast. Get to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Google Podcasts, tune in everywhere, Spreaker, and subscribe to That's What G Said podcast. Joey, close things out for us, buddy.